Welcome back to another week of the Oklahoma Sports Bros podcast. This is Zach Cope, your host. Joining with me today is Ryan Winkle. Sadly, we don't have Perkins today. He uh, he decided to take a vacation day. I'm not sure that's exactly what it was, but uh, that's what we're going to say. So, Ryan, how are you? I'm good. Uh, it was a much better weekend than the weekend before, so I'm feeling good tonight. And yeah, missing Perk, but... Um... I think we'll be fine without him at least for a week. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, we'll be able to uh, to finish it finish out this week without him. And I, I've I've actually been talking to some of our listeners this week, and I I found our demographic, Ryan. Our demographic is youth pastors. We apparently have uh, three separate youth pastors that I know who watch or listen to our show. So nice. Um. So that is uh, that's pretty cool. We we maybe just need to target more youth pastors, and that's that's how we get them in. Perhaps I'm friends with several of them, so <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I think they're all listening to you, so I think that's what it is. Um, You're the one who brings in all the listeners, Ryan. Oh, cool. Well, hey, what's up, dudes? Uh, is that, uh, yeah. we, we, we. I was gonna start naming them, but I might. I don't. I think I only know two of who you're talking about, so I might. I'll save names just so I don't leave anybody out. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but it it's um, it was a great week for OSU this weekend. Um, big win, Ryan. I'll turn it over to you. Let you uh, kind of take over from here, and we're gonna switch it up. Obviously, going OSU first because they had they didn't have the bye week. So go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. So OSU came into this game uh, this past weekend and. Uh, beat Texas 41 to 34 in uh, just a classic Big 12 game. And this is a, a really big game, a much needed win for OSU after they kind of uh, took a dump in the bed in the fourth quarter two weeks ago and, and lost to TCU. Um, they really had to get back in the win column and, and they really came out uh, and took care of business in this game. So it was a gritty win. They first came out that there were, I think, five or six starters were injured and, and weren't going to play this game. Um, so they were already down some guys, and then they had some injuries throughout the game as well. So um, for them to win this game was was really impressive. Uh, and the way that they did it, you know, they they really came out uh, and did not look great in the in the opening quarter. Texas came out really and, and punched them in the face on offense. Um, they had a couple of wide-open touchdowns early, and – ended up getting up 21 to 10. And at that point I had tweeted that that was basically the ball game just because OSU offense, um, the OSU offense had punted three straight times and Texas had three pretty much wide open touchdowns. Uh, it, it really, it was reminding me of when TCU uh, beat OU a few weeks ago where there were just guys wide, wide open running down the field for touchdowns for, for TCU. And it, there was no, no defender within 20 yards of the guy. And that, that's kind of what Texas was doing to OSU early. Um, but then OSU really answered with a, they answered with a touchdown there. And then they actually had a chance to tie it uh, before halftime. And Spencer ends up uh, missing Braylon Presley uh, wide open for a touchdown that would have tied it at 24. And instead the next play, he throws an interception in the end zone. Um, and then Texas takes over and uh, they end up, with a 31 to 24 lead at halftime. Um, and I really, um, 
at, before this, they, it was 31-17 because after Spencer's interception, um, they drove right down and then Roshan Johnson got loose for a 52-yard touchdown, another long touchdown where nobody was near him. And I'm like, you're down 14 points and your defense has no answer for this offense. Um, you just threw, You just basically gave away seven points in the end zone there. And so it was just kind of feeling in that first half like this isn't going to happen. And they even right before half uh, had a chance to to cut it even closer or even tie it. But Gundy had some terrible clock management stuff going on and ended up uh, with a 48-yard field goal just before halftime that Tanner Brown unfortunately missed for his first uh, first kick that he's missed this year. Um, so you, you're down seven at halftime. And, and really at that point, you know, considering all the – all the stuff that went wrong for OSU uh, to only be down seven uh, kind of felt good. But at that point, I still didn't really feel like they were going to win. What did you think around halftime? I am disappointed in you as an OSU fan. And I, I know it's a lot less stressful looking at it from the other side. And I know sometimes I'm like this in OU games and you're like, I have all the confidence in them. Uh, but it's I, I had all the confidence in OSU in this game. Um, even at the points when, um, Texas was rolling offensively, I, I, I never thought they, they were hitting that point that it was just insurmountable. I thought this is OSU, they're at home and I will give kudos to the crowd at OSU. Even when they were down, they were, they were loud. Then it was, it was a big, um, atmosphere there. Obviously it was homecoming. So that kind of helped. But it was I, – I never thought that they – going into half, I thought they were setting up nice. I thought this is what they needed, especially after falling down early. I was like, this, this is – they're going to be fine. This is what they needed. They're going to go into the third quarter. Now, if you would ask me, did I think in the second half there would be so few points scored, I would not have said yes. But uh, going in, I, I thought that they were right where they needed to be. Um, especially getting the ball out of half. So at, that that's what I thought. And I know looking from the other side of, of the fence, it's kind of easy to not get stressed out in these games like a true fan does. So, Yeah, I mean, it's like when you're watching an OU game and the, all the emotions that you have in it where I'm on the outside, I'm just kind of looking at it, you know, uh, neutrally. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you guys can still come back. But as an OU fan in those games, I'm sure there's a lot of times where you just you just have that negativity in your in your mind. And, you know, it's kind of the same for me with OSU. Um, so I get that for sure. But but look, halftime, you know, they came out here. Here's here's the good things that they did. I've talked several times on this podcast about how they do not score touchdowns when they get in the red zone and they settle for field goals. And, and look you know, say what you will, it, it kind of got them beat against TCU because they ended up only up 14 uh, late in that game where they could have been up, um, you know, several more points. Um, but they, in this game, had four drives that started, uh, or they didn't start, but they ended up getting first downs in the red zone and converted four of those into touchdowns. So, um, really, really good to see that from this offense. They still didn't run the ball great, but um, at least they were able to to convert once they got in scoring position, uh, unlike they have the last few weeks. So that was good to see. And and really, the the way OSU won this game 
their offense did come alive late in this game, but their defense. So after they get down 31 to uh, 17 in this game, um, that was it's still in the second quarter. Um, Texas only scored three points the rest of the game. So 31 in the first half and then three in the second half. And the three points they got in the second half were after um, Xavier Worthy returned a punt down to OSU's 20-yard line or so. So I don't even really give those three points to the defense. I mean, the defense essentially pitched a shutout. Um, the special teams just allowed uh, Texas to get a a good uh, punt return there and, and give them a ball in field goal range already. So just incredible adjustments um, from Derek Mason and the defense there at halftime. And um, the defense did their job uh, enough that OSU's offense was able to to come alive late in this game. And and really, Spencer Sanders showed just the, the gamer that he can be. Um, they're down 34-24 late in the third quarter. And Spencer leads them on three drives to score 17 points and win the game including a, a beautiful touchdown pass to Brennan Presley uh, to tie it. And then OSU gets the ball with about five minutes left. And I tweeted out that this is Spencer's chance for a Heisman moment. Um, and he definitely delivered. Look, they get to a third and six um, really quickly in this drive. And if you don't convert this, you got to punt it. And Texas has the ball with three and a half minutes left. And, um, you know, obviously you've been stopping them for the most part, but they can – definitely drive once if they have to, to win this game. So it was very important um, for you to, to not uh, punt the ball back to him at this point. And Spencer drops back on this third and six and throws an absolute frozen rope to John Paul Richardson over the middle, right in between two defenders. And JP caught this ball and got up and flexed on them. And JP, man, JP Richardson, if you haven't heard of him, he is – an absolute playmaker. He catches just about everything that Spencer throws to him. And Spencer has said this, um, you know, in post games, they ask him like why he has so much confidence in him. And it's like, and he's just like, he catches everything. And, and he really does. I mean, he catches just about every ball that Spencer throws to him. And um, that throw from Spencer, man, it was, it was incredible. It, it left me in awe. Um, and then they, they drive down and, and then the game-winning play is a pass to uh, Bryson Green that was also a really good, uh, really good throw by by Spencer, right on the money. And Bryson has a defender on him and and shakes him off, and then just jukes a Texas safety and uh, runs, you know, another thirty yards for the touchdown. And it was just chaotic there in Boone Pickens Stadium. Um, so that gave OSU the lead by seven, and uh, with just a, a couple of minutes left there. Um, so. Uh, OSU really fought in this game. I mean, like I mentioned, the injuries and then just all the all the uh, adversity in that first half, especially defensively. Um, defensively, and then also, you know, you felt like you gave away seven points with that interception in the end zone. And um, you came out, and in the second half, you showed that you were the better team. You know, um, Texas had two chances late uh, to – try to tie the game there or, or possibly go for the win with a two-point conversion if they did score. And OSU had two interceptions on those last two drives to to seal it. One by Jason Taylor, who also had a, a pick on the very first drive of the game for Texas. So he ended up with two interceptions. And he is – he's just a playmaker, man. He has had so many huge plays. and He, he had a game-sealing interception against Baylor this year. 
Um, he had the pick six last year against against Texas when they were driving to get up. I think it was 17 to three and they were driving, you know, to make it 24 to three. And then he jumps in front of a Casey Thompson pass and takes it 85 yards the other way and really turn that game around and kind of turn the season around. And he's just, he's one of those guys that always finds himself near the football and he's got great hands and he's able to make these plays. And um, so he had two interceptions in this game and uh, on the second. Yeah. Have we heard any, any update on him? I think you were about to say it, but have we heard any update? I was going to say, yeah, he took a, he kind of landed awkwardly on that last interception. And um, from what I heard, um it was expected that it's a hyper extension of the knee but that hasn't been confirmed yet um that's just what somebody i guess uh thought based on on the way it looked gundy today said that he said we won't know until 11 a.m tomorrow so that's on tuesday um so by the time people are listening to this they might they may know but uh he's a guy that you can't really lose in this i mean he's he's the only guy from the secondary from last year that's still on this team so you definitely have to have to have him down the stretch this season so I'm hoping that he gets back now I did hear after the game uh, he was talking to Robert Allen who's a sideline reporter for OSU and he said I'm good he said I'm fine I'm, I'm good now that's right after the game there's a lot of adrenaline still I'm sure after that win um, so who knows he may have woke up you know Sunday morning with just tons of pain in that knee uh who knows but we'll find out more as the week uh goes on but yeah that would be a huge loss if he if he does uh miss some time because again he's he's just been that guy that playmaker in the secondary all year um i and honestly like he's such such a difference maker and i know he's been there a lot longer but i i'd compare him to billy bowman on ou side you've seen the collapse ou's defense when billy bowman went out and I know some of it happened a little bit before Bowman got hurt, but that that safety position is such a vital position. And I, with him out, I think that they would will struggle definitely. Just just watching his big playability um, and being that ball hawk that he is, like I, I think that they may be able to survive if he's out like one or two weeks, but. Um, being out long term, I which hyperextended knee makes it sound like they expect him back. And I obviously you said it's not an official report, so maybe not. But yeah, hyperextended knee does not is not a torn ACL. It's not something you're going for the season. It's it's something where you're like, okay, well we can we can work through this for a couple weeks and then um put put some weight on somebody else's shoulders while he gets healthy but um i i do think he's a game changer in the back in the secondary yeah definitely and um you know the secondary honestly really the whole defense buckled down in this game uh, in the second half and you know we saw a lot of like i said Bijan and roshan just wide open touchdowns uh, in that first half and they really limited them in the second half, and this defensive line really got to Quinn Ewers. Now, Quinn Ewers, you know, obviously has had a lot of hype. Um, he's all-world recruit and has looked really good when he's played this year um, until really last week. Look, he looked great against OU that we all saw, um, whatever you want to say about that, because, you know, OU's defense obviously was terrible at that point. And, um, and then last week against Iowa State, he played a good defense, and – 
almost lost that game and uh or sorry two weeks ago and in this game coming into this game i mean everybody was talking about texas potentially winning out and being a two loss that could make the playoff and all this and quinn ewers was the main reason that people were saying this because look he almost you know he looked great against bama the quarter that he did play and then he got hurt and that's why texas lost that game and then to texas tech but look in this game Hudson Card may have been the better option down the stretch. I mean, Quinn Ewers, you know, some of it was was on his receivers not making plays, but there were a lot of times that he just couldn't find he yes. couldn't find the guy or or couldn't make the throw. He had a lot of overthrows. Um, he was pretty. He had fourteen overthrows. There you go, fourteen overthrows. Look, the defensive line got to him a lot, and he's for as good of a as a a thrower as he's supposed to be. He's not he's not really that mobile. So whenever his line isn't able to protect him and give him a clean pocket, he doesn't have a ton of of room and and is not great at evading the rush and and you know extending plays like we've seen so many, um, you know, especially uh, the OU quarterbacks in the past that we've been seeing and guys like Spencer Sanders and you know the guys that just when everything breaks down, they're able to run out of the, you know, to the sides and, and make plays or even, you know, run for whatever it is, six or seven yards. Now Quinn, Quinn Ewers can and did a couple of times, but you know, he dropped back 49 times to pass and only completed 19 in this game. So definitely not a great game from him. And look, Xavier Worthy didn't have a great game. It felt like he and he and Ewers were not on the same page several times. Um, And, you know, I don't know what, if that's just yours being a freshman and I, I I really don't, I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, he did not have a great game and look, he's, I'm sure he'll be good. Um, I'm sure he'll, excuse me. I'm sure he'll be, you know, one of the top um, Heisman favorites going into next season. If he, if he, you know, has a good end to his year, but as a freshman, I, I talked about last week, we, they needed him to make some freshman mistakes and he, he did. And, you know, down that stretch, Texas, um, they really made a lot of mistakes. I mean, they kind of went away from Bijan a little bit in the second half, which is never a good thing to do when you have Bijan Robinson. Um, look, he finished with, uh, I think it was 140 rushing yards and then like 40 receiving and a couple touchdowns. So he got his, but OSU did a good job of of not letting him beat them. I mean, they, they let him get what he could get, um, but they didn't let anybody else beat him. And uh, just overall, I mean, a gritty – gritty win to come back from you know 14 down um in this game where like i mentioned you had a ton of injuries um look receiving wise you had three freshmen in this game that have barely got to play play you had stefan johnson out there looking like justin blackman i mean he he's going up he's a true freshman going up against texas who has four and five stars and i mean he's looking like the dominant player um, out on the edge when he's getting the balls to him. So um, as a freshman to do that, uh, you know, Texas has – Gundy said Texas has seven guys uh, on defense that are going to be in the NFL. Um, now, who knows if that's exactly true, but, I mean, Gundy obviously does his homework um, going into these games. So for for Stephon Johnson to – he has six catches for 90 yards, uh, some of them very impressive catches. Um, I'm really impressed with that dude. And then – you had um, you had Braylon Presley, who I've been shouting from the rooftops for them to to get the ball to. Uh, they finally did in this game. Um, the run game still didn't work great, 
but they got him in space. They ran a couple of, of jet sweeps with him, which I've been clamoring for, and then ran him out in the slot a lot. Um, threw him the ball a couple times. You know, he, like I said, Spencer threw just behind him um, there in the first half for what would have been a, ta- a walk-in touchdown, um, and he couldn't make the catch. But, um, you know, you had those guys step up, and Talon Shetron got some run in this game. And Jaden Bray and Braden Johnson, you're two – what what I feel your two best receivers were ruled out before the game started. So to have um, those three freshmen step up there and, and play when they were needed um, was huge for this game. And then Bryson Green, man, I cannot say enough good things about him. He had the touchdown late. He had a few really big catches. He had finished with, uh, I think it was 133 yards um, total in this game and just was that dude. I mean, he's he's that go-to guy when you need a catch um, down the field or when you've got to make a big play, uh, he can do it. He's been, he's been really good all season. And it just shows you this, you know, Gundy's, he doesn't always get the best recruits. He doesn't get a bunch of four and five-star guys, but he gets a bunch of guys that can play and they get them ready to play when they're needed. So um, that was really good. OSU was eight of 19 on third down, uh, another big thing. And, and a lot of them were Spencer Sanders making plays. And they kept uh, Texas to, I believe, uh, it was, let's see, three of 17 on third downs. So this OSU defense, look, they lost a lot last year. Um, and they've definitely taken a, a few steps back from last season on the defensive side in a lot of areas. But their third down defense is still very well. They're actually fourth in the country in third down defense. And they they definitely shut Texas down on third down um, this Saturday. So, I'm really, I'm really impressed, honestly, with the the way that they were able to, again, fight all the adversity and come back and win this game. It was just a gritty win, and we saw a Texas team kind of, you know, fall apart like they've they've been known to do. And you know, um, so Dave Hunziker is the radio guy for OSU, and after the game, he he had a quote that um, basically he said this was a team with a winning culture against a team without a winning culture and the team with the winning culture won the game. And I think that that really speaks, you know, it wasn't necessarily a shot at Texas. It's just, we've seen OSU, you know, in close games, really the last several years, but especially the last like two or three years when they get in a close game, they're winning nine out of 10 of them. I mean, they're, they're just, they're winning all these games because they have uh, just a culture where they, they believe they can win. They fight and they, scratch and claw and don't take no for an answer they don't they don't accept losing and we saw texas kind of fall apart in this game you saw um you know player yelling at a coach on the sideline and getting in his face and just these kind of things that shouldn't be happening um if you're expecting to win football games and have a cohesive unit so it's it's really impressive what gundy's put together and um you know, I'm I'm really happy to be a Cowboy fan and and to come out with this win. Uh, yeah, definitely was I, good. I think the culture all goes all the way back to recruiting, and I I know that sometimes you're going to get one of these kids on campus and they're going to make bonehead mistakes because they're kids. They truly are. Um, but like things happen um, more often when you're recruiting these kids and you're not really checking their character. You're checking what their 40 time is. And I get it. You're not going to recruit a kid on character alone. I get that. You're not. But if you recruit a bunch of kids with character that 
isn't necessarily there, you're going to have some of the, uh, these moments. And when your team implodes, and I think this loss is on Sark, honestly, just mainly because of the, the way it was handled. You can see it across uh, the country, the, the really great coaches, the ones that win the big games, they have the gall to make those QB changes. The, and I, my, my big, my only drawback on that is that um, they were winning at the point. But if your offense is stalled for that, the, the entire half, you have to make that change. You saw it in Clemson this weekend when they benched DJ Uyunglele um, or however you say his name and went to the freshman. And even after the game, he said, this isn't a QB change. This is we, – we needed a spark, and DJ had a bad game. Like, it's just a bad game. So, I, I, I think this is a lot on Sark just for that main aspect. and. I, I don't know that Sark's a great coach. I don't know that he's a good coach. I, I, I just, I think he is just an average coach. You've seen it with his record before. He's a great offensive mind. Don't get me wrong on that. I think he draws up plays and he, he schemes out things that are excellent, but in managing the whole aspect of the game, you've seen it just from his past in his head coaching record. He's not great. Like, it's not great. Even last year, you went five and seven. It's not great. So I don't know what exactly you would say to this, but I, I think this loss is a lot on Sark for sure. Um, so, but that, that, that's, that may be putting too much on him, but I, I really think that if he makes that QB change, the game might change, might be different. Yeah, it's possible. And again, I, I get what, you know, you kind of said it like you don't you don't necessarily bench your quarterback when you're winning uh, in a game. Um, but yeah, just I mean, after um, just how it, it was pretty obvious that Quinn Ewers just wasn't either wasn't on the same page or just wasn't able to to step up when he needed to. And um, like I said, he's a freshman. This is the the biggest. uh I guess the biggest road environment that he's been in up to this point and um, really got to him. I mean, and, you know, talking about Sark, look, he's obviously he's got a ton of football knowledge or he wouldn't, you know, keep getting these coach these coaching jobs. Um, he's been a coach now at, at USC and at Texas, and then has been an assistant at Alabama and, and some other places. So he's obviously knows what he's doing uh, football wise, like X's and O's wise. But look, another another big uh, thing that happened in this game that we haven't even talked about is the penalties. Texas finished with 14 penalties and what was it for 119 yards? And OSU finished with officially zero penalties. Um, they did have two penalties called on them. One was offset by a Texas penalty and the other was declined by Texas. So it's not like they just didn't get any penalties called. But, uh, you know, they had even if they had two penalties, look, Texas had 14 penalties and 10 of them were pre-snap penalties. So false starts, offsides, um, illegal shifts and stuff like that. So it's not, you know, you've heard people say, well, there's no way that OSU didn't have any penalties and Texas had 14. Look, OSU is one of the least penalized teams in the country. Um, after this game, they are tied with, listen to this. So fewest penalties per game this year. 
Number one is Air Force. And the number two is a tie between Navy and Oklahoma State. So literally the two teams that are equal or better than you at not getting penalized are uh, armed forces uh, academies that literally if they if they uh, you know don't follow directions at any point they could I don't know if they could lose their scholarship but like they're obviously um, attention to detail is very high on their priority list so Oklahoma State it's not crazy that they didn't have any penalties in this game. It's crazy that Texas had 14 penalties, and that's something that um, goes back to a head coach, I feel like. I mean, I've, I've talked about this with the Dallas Cowboys the last couple of years with Mike McCarthy because they're still terrible with penalties. Um, they're actually getting a little bit better. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Texas, to have that many penalties, and, and most of them, like I said, they were pre-snap, and it's, it's due to that a lot of uh, that homecoming crowd that OSU had in this, in this game, they were really loud. And um, with a, you know, Texas has a ton of talent, obviously, but they have a lot of freshmen out there and a lot of young guys. And uh, you know, it got to them and this D line, obviously also, they were just relentless at getting in the backfield. I think they had 13 QB hurries on, uh, on yours. And look, that gets into his head. Um, to where he's throwing balls away or throwing balls overthrowing balls just because he doesn't have time to get into his rhythm. And it's given your guys on the offensive line, you know, doubt that they can stop you. So they're trying to get as a, as good of a jump as they can. And that makes them go offside sometimes. So it's, you know, it's, that's a lot of coaching. I mean, penalties are, are one of the biggest uh, things that coaches, I think a sign of a good coach is when your team is not penalized and Gundy's obviously um, a very good coach and he's got his guys playing very, very clean football this year. Um, so it's pretty impressive uh, with that as well. Um, you know, there's, there's talk of like OSU or Texas is getting all these calls because they're going to the SEC and all that. And the refs are trying to, you know, whatever. There were some, some, flags on Texas that actually picked up that were pretty weird. One was like a targeting call. The other was like a block in the back. Um, and then there were a couple of re, uh, official reviews that ended up going Texas way. So I, I don't want to hear those, those on. reviews were so obvious, both of them. Like I, I, I could not, there's not a camera angle that they showed where that ball hit Brennan Presley at all. No, like, I, at all. I don't, I don't understand how they couldn't, uh, how they couldn't overturn that. Like it just that one did that one baffled me. The other one, I I could get a little bit like he, the call on the field had to stand because it was the call on the field, but it, it was still a catch. Like that's yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, but... that that was my big argument to anybody who was like the rest were out to uh, screw Texas. No, they weren't. <laughs> yeah. They they did everything in their power to turn it towards Texas, and Texas was just so ill disciplined that mm -hmm. it bit them in the butt. Yeah, it did. And you know, I'll give Sark. You know, it's Texas. It's it's really hard for Texas. Like, I feel like a lot of Texas supporters and fans, like eight and four is not like. So you go five and seven last year in your first year with Sark but you have Quinn Ewers come in, you have this great recruiting class and immediately you think, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to win 10 games next year. It's like going from five wins to 10 wins while it, it seems like there's little things that can be tweaked to do that. 
in especially this year in this Big 12, it's okay for there to be stepping stones. You know, go to five wins to seven or eight wins and then nine wins and ten wins. I think a lot, and I think OU fans um, kind of can get into this, but they've had tons of success, so it's it's a little different for them. But it's okay to say, "Hey, we need to go eight and four this year. Like we need to prove that we can at least you know win seven or eight games, and give Sark a, another year to keep building. And if you have consistent progress, even if it's five wins to seven wins, and then seven to eight uh, the next year, if you have consistent progress." I think that you can build on that and you can, you know, give Sark uh, and the coaching staff some time instead of firing a coach every three years. Um, now, obviously in, in circumstances where they're winning less games every year, um, that's, that's a different story, but I feel like having stepping stones, having an expectation, I guess, of stepping stones is something that I think Texas supporters and fans and whoever makes the decisions, just give it a little bit of time. You know, if you, your Texas is a better team right now than they were a year ago. I think we can all agree on that. They they still have a chance to end up five and seven. I don't think they will. I think they'll win another at least one or two games, if not more. But um, but just give them some time. That, that's and what I say. To, to be all honest, Texas is still in the Big Twelve championship hunt. Like, they are. They have two losses, and like I know they have three losses overall, but two in the Big Twelve, and this. Big 12 is going to cannibalize itself. If they could win yeah. out, they would be. I, I have no shot or I have no doubt that they would be in the Big 12 championship. It's yeah. the it, – that I don't know that they can win out. They have four tough games left. And like you said, they could finish anywhere from five and seven to nine and three or whatever their record would be. So, mm-hmm. like, what what Texas team are we going to see? Are we going to see the team like last year that goes out there and – um implodes on itself and doesn't trust its quarterback its freshman quarterback because he went 19 for 49 or are we going to see the team that rallies behind him and lifts each other up that's that that goes into that character issue what i was talking about earlier earlier if you have the right uh, foundation set in place then you're going to be okay yeah. but if you don't have the right foundation set in place then that's when you're going to struggle so mm-hmm. Yeah. And one more thing I wanted to add on that is, um, you know, we talked about how like there was a player and coach kind of getting into it on the sideline after the game. I think Zach, I think you tweeted this out, but somebody that covers Texas tweeted out a photo that there were literally like 12 or 13 players that stayed on the field for Texas fight song after the game. Yeah. And, um, and there was actually a, a guy tweet. I was going to say a guy said, um, where's that? I'm trying to find it. I had it. Um, saved so Anwar Richardson I guess he he covers Texas um, said Sark um, Steve Sarkeesian said he'd like to apologize to Longhorn Nation for not signing the eyes of Texas or singing the eyes of Texas which their their song they sing at the end of every game said he was upset with the way the game ended and walked off the field and said players followed his lead and that won't happen again so not that that's a huge deal, but it's just whenever we have all these question marks about your leadership and if you're really, you know, the, a good football coach, little things like that are, are culture things that we talk about that, that we've talked about Texas culture for a decade now is just not great. And, you know, little things like that can definitely um, give, give people questions about you as a leader. So um, yeah. Not that that's a, a, you know, that's not a make or break kind of thing. It's just a, another little thing that, that gives people doubt. 
And one thing I would add to it is it's, it's not that he didn't do that. It's the fact that it, it was an established tradition and he chose not to do it because he was upset that that's, that's a character issue to me. Um, if, if it were, if it's any other school and you don't actually sing that after every game, then it's, it's not a story at all. Right. So it, it could be something that's really, he didn't mean anything by it, but to me, it seems like a character issue because that's established. And he, it's not like it's his first game at Texas. He's had an entire year and a half now. So he knows what the expectation is. One thing I will say though, from the picture that we saw is Texas did have some leaders out there. Bijan was out there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Quinn Ewers was out there and maybe worthy. There was one other guy that I was like, those are their leaders. So yeah. they're, they're leaders. They're, there were some people out there that were showing what they needed to show. So I thought that's a good sign for Texas, but that your lead man, your head coach isn't out there that that's that's not a good thing so yeah i don't know yeah i don't know and like i said you know guys make mistakes coaches make mistakes he says it won't happen again so like i'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he can he'll make sure it doesn't happen again um i just wanted to throw that down there as a just a little chunk of uh, you know something that shouldn't happen that happened so um anyway i think we've we've talked enough about texas so oh she wins the game and uh they are now six and one and three and one in the big 12 and they're going on the road this week it doesn't get much easier they go on the road at number 22 kansas state who just uh had a heartbreaking loss uh at tcu last week and they actually got out to a 28 to 10 lead on the road at at tcu and lost lost adrian martinez early and then uh, Will Howard, who I've seen, he's been the backup there for the last couple of years behind Skylar Thompson anyway. So he's played several games, and he went in, and he actually is how they got up 28 to 10. He had a few touchdowns. Then he got hurt, and they had their third string. Uh, I don't even remember his name, but Rubley or something like that is his name. Um, he threw an interception early and um, couldn't really do anything the rest of the game. And I think I think Will Howard came back in later in the game, but just couldn't do uh, much there and so they they lose that game uh, after being really in control for the first half and uh that's that's definitely got to be disappointing for them so you know they're going to be fired up wanting to get back to winning and uh the only thing we don't know is is what the quarterback situation looks like which you can say that's good or bad i mean it's good in the sense that um adrian martinez if he doesn't play look he's he's been really really good this year um so if if they're down their starting quarterback that's that can be good for osu but in, on the the bad side since we don't know and it's kind of a, a up in the air kind of thing um they don't know who to prepare for and will howard is a much different quarterback than adrian martinez they're both they can both run a little bit adrian martinez is much faster will howard's more of that that bruiser type quarterback like that colin klein and and skylar thompson that they've had for the last 10 years it feels like um, so it's, it's kind of hard to, to prepare for the game, not knowing who's going to, who's going to play and look Kansas state. I, I doubt that Chris Kleiman is going to come out and say, who's going to play. Um, you know, it's just kind of some game gamesmanship to give them the best chance to win. He's probably going to wait till, till game time to, 
at least release who's going to play. I'm sure he he'll probably know by Wednesday or Thursday, I would guess. But um, yeah, it's a it's a really interesting game. It's it's a huge game in the Big Twelve because if if OSU wins this game, they are essentially um, uh, they're not a lock, but they are essentially in the driver's seat with TCU to get to the title game because you have Kansas State and Texas both um, at that point would have at least two losses. Texas loses again. They'd have three, but, but you have Texas and Kansas state with two losses in conference. And if you beat Kansas state, not only do they have two losses, but you also have the tiebreaker over them and Texas. So that would put OSU and TCU kind of right there at the top. And there would have to be a lot of chaos for, for OSU to miss the title game if they do win this game. So um, really big game for them this week. And, and they, they need to play well. I feel like they will. Um, we, we know, about Kansas state from a few weeks ago when, when uh, they came into Norman and just completely flipped OU season, uh, you know, Deuce Vaughn is the focal point, especially with, with uh, Adrian Martinez out and Deuce. Here's the deal is, is OSU was really unable to stop Bijan Robinson for the most part uh, last week. And Deuce does a lot of the same things. He's not the same player, obviously he's much smaller and, a little shiftier, um, harder to harder to see at times over the the line, and for that reason, he can he can kind of get lost out there where where they don't know where he's at, and he can either slip on a little screen pass or or just come slip up the middle. Look, Bijan had several runs uh, on Saturday where he just ran straight up the middle through a hole, and if they can uh, if they can make holes like like that this week against this OSU defense for, for Deuce Vaughn to get through. Um, that's kind of what I'm worried about uh, defensively for OSU. So I think Deuce Vaughn, uh, I think we say this every time one of our teams plays Kansas state, but like Deuce Vaughn is the, the focal point that, that you need to limit uh, as much as you can. So, um, you know, they have some guys on the outside. Um, Malik Knowles, you know, is a guy that feels like he's been in college for five years and uh, they also have, um Cade Warner who's Kurt Warner's son at receiver um but there's nobody out there that is just like that Quentin Johnson or Xavier Worthy you know the guys outside that that can just beat you deep and um and and scare you so um which I say this and then somebody's going to emerge and do that this year this week I'm sure but uh but yeah I think I think Deuce Vaughn is is the focal point and then defensively honestly you know Kansas State they're they're not bad defensively, but they have given up some points. Look, TCU scored 38. Um, they did have a lot of defensive injuries, Kansas State did last week. Um, so, and I haven't seen if these guys are coming back or not. But, um, you know, if if the offense for OSU looks as inventive, especially in the run game, as they did this week, look, I, I mentioned how they didn't um, – they didn't really give Ollie Gordon or Jaden Nixon the ball in the TCU game or, or any of the games previous. And, uh, and they just basically gave Dom Richardson the ball to run up the middle. And you don't have a line that, that is conducive to that because they're not, um, they're not very good at opening holes through the middle. And so you've got to find ways to get guys the ball in space. And that's not Dom's game. So Jaden Nixon and Ollie Gordon are the guys you need. And we saw Jaden Nixon, look, he didn't, run great um in the game against texas but he had one run of 51 yards and that's that's kind of the 
the reason that I said you got to get these guys the ball because he's shiftier. He can break a tackle. He can um, he can run around the outside, and that's what happened in this on this run as he ran 51 yards because he got to the outside edge and then made a move on a linebacker, and all of a sudden he's got open space. And that's just something that Dom can't do, and it's nothing against Dom. He's just not that type of runner, and that's the type of runner this offense needs. So I think getting Jaden Nixon and Ollie Gordon more touches – um, is definitely uh, a good thing to do. So hopefully they do that and um, and they can win this game. It's going to be – it might be similar to the Texas game, high scoring. Um, I'm, I'm really impressed with the defense, like I mentioned, after they adjusted. So I'm hoping that that's kind of a turning point for the defense this season and they start to play a little better. Um, so I've, I've got more confidence this week than I did uh, last week with with this team. Um, I think Spencer looks more healthy. We obviously saw in TCU um, he was uh, he was he was limpy. I mean, he had a a knee issue and he ran pretty well early, but he definitely got slower as the game went on, and his arm strength just wasn't there against TCU. And it was much better against Texas. So as he gets better um, health wise, and and the defense starts to play a little bit better, um, that's kind of what they need to do going down the stretch here to to get back in the. Uh, you know, the big 12 title race and, and hopefully a playoff um, spot if, if everything falls their way. So, um, so I'm picking OSU uh, to come back and win this game. Um, and I've got them winning 37 to 27. Well, uh, look, just looking at the scouting report with Kansas state, you said they're riddled with injuries and honestly quarterback, I don't think it matters who plays. They, they, that's a, that's a plug and play offense if I've ever seen one and Will Howard honestly might be the better thrower of the ball compared to Adrian Martinez uh after watching him again and this is on very small sample size I just it's just off the first half of against TCU or I guess until he went out so um I I don't know like their their offense isn't going to be that much different and um, dependent upon who OSU has back. Um, honestly, I'm not sure that it really matters who they have back as long as they don't lose more. Um, it might matter with uh, Taylor in the secondary, but other than that, um, I, I think that OSU is going to handle this game pretty well. I, I, I think OSU wins, um, and I honest, is this in Manhattan? Yes, it is. Okay. That'll that'll change me just a little bit. I think OSU wins by 10 points. Let's go. Let's go 45-35 OSU. I will take that. Um, we both have them winning by 10. It's pretty cool. Um, we'll get Perkins pick later. He didn't give us his picks on on this game so or on any of our games but um yeah we'll see big like i said big week for osu so hopefully they can go up to manhattan and get a win and um build on this momentum from this texas game um as we move on we saw um back to friday night we saw tulsa get back in the win column um by beating temple 27 to 16 by the way i picked tulsa 30 to 17 so i feel like that's pretty close. Um, so I'm pretty proud of myself on that. Tulsa got down 10 nothing super quick thanks to Davis Brin throwing a pick six 
on the first drive and then another interception on the second drive that gave them the ball in Tulsa territory uh, for a field goal. But after that, Bryn settled down and they came back. Big, big thing in this game, big point in this game was Daenerys Prince, my guy. This is a guy that we wish Tulsa had to start the year that we I predicted um, he would be this kind of guy going into the year. And then he missed the first five games. Um, he had 20 carries for 231 yards and then had two catches for 29 yards, two <laughs> touchdowns. So incredible game for Daenerys uh, Prince. And, you know, Temple, not a great team. We talked about last week, but um, it's just good to see an offensive um, run game get going because that's one of the things we talked about in their bye week last week that they had to figure out something in the run game after they could not run the ball against Navy. Um, offensive line looked better um, for the most part, especially in the run game. Davis Brin wasn't great, wasn't terrible. Um, like I said, he had the, the two picks early, but then really after that he settled down. He finished with 155 yards two touchdowns. And I think, I think the yardage is really just because generic Prince went off so much that he didn't have to throw the ball very much. So um, he did, you know, he looks healthier than he has uh, the last few weeks. Um, so the bye week definitely helped that, but he still got sacked seven times and that's not how you keep your quarterback healthy. Um, especially guys, not, not very mobile. You gotta, you gotta protect him better than that. Keelan Stokes. Uh, he, only had, uh, I think, 43 receiving yards, but he, in this game, passed Howard Twilley, who played in 1963 to 65. Keelan um, Stokes passed him for most receiving yards in Tulsa Golden Hurricane history, uh, now with 3,347 for his career. So that's awesome for him. He's he's had a great year, and uh, I hope it continues. I don't know if anyone's ever going to top him at Tulsa. Uh, he's been here for five years, and uh, has been incredible his entire time. He's one of my favorite guys that's ever ever played here. Um, he's also 93rd all-time in uh, NCAA history with receiving yards and still has at least five games left uh, in his career. So he could he could conceivably get up into like the top 30 uh, if he continues with this, the uh, trajectory he's on this year. So uh, really cool for him. And uh, again, a good win for Tulsa. Here's the deal. EJ Warner, another of Kurt Warner's sons, uh, after we talked about Cade earlier, EJ Warner is not good at throwing the football. Uh, he's Temple's quarterback. And, you know, a lot of what we saw with Quinn Ewers, uh, we saw with him, but on a much higher level of missing guys, he was he was throwing the ball five yards behind guys, five yards over guys. I don't know. Um, not very good. So as much as, you know, I give Tulsa's defense – praise for holding temple to 16 points they they average 15 so it's not um not like they held down a high scoring offense but um you know they did their job and bryson powers and justin wright were all over the place um justin wright ended up with a game winning or game winning i guess game ceiling interception um and then temple could not run the ball at all they only had 84 total rushing yards so Overall, defense did what they should have done against a Tulsa or a Temple team, um, which is encouraging because you gave up 53 points to to Navy a couple weeks ago. So it sounds like in the bye week they did a lot of work on uh, some of the defensive stuff that the that has been ailing them, and then again uh, some of the the running game issues that they had. It looks like they worked out a lot of that. So at least they had a good uh, productive bye week from what it looks like, and. 
come out with a win here to get to three and four and hopefully that gives them a boost going into uh the rest of the season so they have smu coming up on saturday at home who smu is also three and four um not quite what we expected from from smu coming into the year smu has tanner mordecai at quarterback but he did get hurt uh last week late in the game against cincinnati and he's questionable for this game um the coach said he thought he had a concussion um i haven't seen a a confirmation of that yet so i guess we'll know more as the week goes on um so that's big if tanner mordecai doesn't play um but look he he got hurt about midway through the third quarter uh against cincinnati last week and they were down 29 to 29 to 14 and his backup Preston Stone came in and uh, ended up with two touchdown drives and just missed a two-point conversion pass to tie the game. So uh, he might not be a huge step down from Tanner Mordecai. I mean, Tanner Mordecai only scored 14 through three quarters, and then this guy put up two touchdowns uh, in just the fourth quarter alone. So, uh, And he was able to run a little bit. So if Tanner Mordecai doesn't play, that doesn't necessarily mean that Tulsa's um, you know got an easy – uh, defensive game so um we'll see if we'll see if he plays their defense isn't very good and i think that's i think we all n- have known this about smu but um they're giving up about 425 yards and 29 points per game uh, with over 200 rushing per game so deneric prince has a chance to to uh replicate what he did last week against temple uh in this game and uh I'm not really sure I'm ready to believe in Tulsa yet. I mean, like I said, Temple's not a great team, uh, not even a good team. And Tulsa didn't really look in control of that game at any point. I mean, it was a, it wasn't necessarily close near the end, but it wasn't, you know, a game where they just took, took off and, and ran away with it. And so with Bryn, not, he's still not a hundred percent. He's probably about 80 or so if I were to guess right now but he's thrown two interceptions each of his last three games. So you cannot throw interceptions against SMU and give their offense the ball and expect to win. So, um, so with all that said, um, I think even, even if Mordecai doesn't play, I think SMU is going to put up enough points in this game, unfortunately. So I've got SMU winning a close one. Uh, I'm going to say 34 to 30 SMU. See, it's just a weird year um, because uh, you don't have belief in Tulsa, and I do. Hmm. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Um, but uh, you, you've heard it here. Last year, we had this this same very game, Tulsa SMU. We had a big bet on, which um, somebody still hasn't paid up. I don't know who that somebody is. Hmm. But, um, but uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, and it, it, uh, it definitely um, – it didn't go my way. That is for sure. And it, I was so confident that SMU was going to just throttle um, Tulsa. And now I, I, I don't think it's going to be a throttling either way, but I think Tulsa is going to win this game. I, especially if Mordecai doesn't play. Um, I think, and I know SMU's played a lot of people close, um, but I, I think Cincinnati themselves have played a lot of people close. So I don't, I don't know. I think SMU will struggle in this game, and I, I think Tulsa is going to win, let's say, by three. Let's go Tulsa 
35-31. I said three, and I picked four. So 35-31, Tulsa. There you go, Tulsa. All right. Yeah, I think I'm I'm just more on kind of like the wait-and-see approach with them um, rather than believing them just because Temple's not a great team. So I want to see them beat a good team, um, which they haven't really done yet this year. So, um. But yeah, I'm yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, I think it's gonna be a close game, and hopefully Tulsa can make enough plays to uh, to win it. I'm I'm excited to see how they play in that game. Um, and then you know they play at two thirty along with OSU, um, so it's gonna be we're gonna be watching both those games closely. But before that, we'll back backtrack to eleven a.m. and we have OU playing at Iowa State. Yeah, um, the, this game sets up uh, very, very interestingly, honestly. Obviously, OU's coming off a bye week, um, and Iowa State itself is coming off a bye week as well. And Iowa State probably has the best defense in the Big 12. Uh, statistically, I think they're the second best, but even that being, even with that being said, like I, I think they're the best defense in the Big 12, and they are. They don't give up a lot of points. They, but they also don't score a lot of points in that same aspect. So, it it's all dependent upon. To me, I think it's all dependent upon what OU team we see. If it's the OU team that plays well on offense and is humming, then I think that OU is going to have a good shot of running away with this game. But if it's the OU team whose offense struggles um, struggles at time to move the ball, they get quick three and outs like we've seen at points, I think this may be a dogfight that goes down to the wire and OU may end up on the wrong side of it. But I, I think Iowa State has another Brock Purdy Jr. at quarterback. He plays just like Brock Purdy. I think um, he'll probably be there for – 20 years like Brock Purdy was at Iowa State for 20 years I think he'll start there for the next few years and it, it's I think he will be the next Brock Purdy I'm blanking on his name Ryan do you know it off the top of your head yeah Hunter Deckers yes Hunter Deckers and um but I I think he is a just a great uh great's not the right term I think he's a really good player and I but I'm not sure that he he can lead them to being a like a phenomenal team. I think that they're going to be that average team that pulls off some upsets here and there. Um, but that being said, I think the defense is where this game lies. If OU can hold them defensively, which their offense isn't, hasn't been great, this is a great chance for OU's defense to gain a lot of confidence. If they can take that next step, honestly, they should take the next couple steps against this Iowa State offense and um, be able to shut them down. I'm not saying shut them out, shut them down. Um, As long as – I I think in this game, I think OU defensively has to hold them to about 20 points to win it. I think that OU's offense is good enough – to where they can score against this Iowa State defense, but they have to hold them to around that twenty-point mark. And you could give a give a few, uh, plus or minus three or four points off that twenty, but you know they can't give up a lot of points. They can't get in a shootout, which I guess honestly in a shootout they would be better prepared. 
but Iowa State's defense isn't going to allow the shootout is what I'm saying. So, um, but I, that that's kind of where I'm at. I think OU goes into this game and it continues. If um, we had lost to Kansas, um, I'm not sure I'm picking the same way in this game, but I think the momentum carrying into this game, we've had a bye week, we've had a week off, we've rested. Hopefully we've got some people healthy. I'm hopeful that Billy Bowman will be back. Um, hopeful that maybe we might see Marcus Major again. Um, there's a lot of ifs that if it happens, then it might really be a good day. Um, I'm hopeful that the defense can get some pressure on the quarterback. So all these things are what are the keys to me for OU winning this game. And I, th I think it's going to be a close one. I really do. Um, I think OU may win in the end by uh, maybe a touchdown. So um, I'm going to go OU wins this one 28-21. Yeah, that's pretty close to what I have. Look, Iowa State, you mentioned, is I, I agree with you. They're the best defense in the conference. They only allow 15 points per game so far and about 290 in total yards, which is about 150 less than OU's defense giving up. So it's going to be a challenge for, for OU just to even string together drives on their defense. So I think it could end up being a lower scoring defensive battle, uh, especially if, look, if OU can't run the ball, uh, against this defense, then uh, it's going to be a struggle, I think. So I think that's something they really need to to do is get the run game going early uh, just to make it easier for Gabriel. And and I think the offense, honestly, I think they'll be able to put some points up. Um, I'm more worried about, you know, you've got Iowa State who doesn't have a great offense going up against this OU defense that has not been very good either. So which one is going to, is going to, I guess, give – um that that's really the biggest question in this yeah hunter decker's not very scary at least not so far he's 13 touchdowns and seven interceptions um he did through throw for 329 and two touchdowns against texas last week and was also their leading rusher with uh like 30 yards so he's most of their offense they don't have that um that Brees hall or david montgomery they've had the last five years uh Jarrell Brock's their starting running back but he's he's really once conference play started he's he's gone down severely uh in yardage so really Xavier Hutchinson uh, is a guy that we've known for years now on the outside probably one of the top receivers in the conference and look every game this year he's had at least eight catches so he's definitely the focal point of their passing game and really most of their offense um he's averaging over 100 yards a game so that's going to be something that this OU secondary needs to key in on. And hopefully through this bye week, you know, I think for the bye week, especially in this, this case for OU, I think just to get a few days for the guys to get away from practice and all that, just, just kind of clear their heads and get away from all the stress for a few days might, might be good for them. Um, after the, just the, the month that they've had, um, that's just been almost all negative. And I'm hoping that they got some good rest, but then also got, um, you know, some stuff figured out defensively. That's really, I think, at this point, what what they need is just to figure out what 
is going to make this defense better. And it's not going to immediately be good. But, look, you've got an Iowa State team that's not great on offense. This is a good get-right game, um, good way to build some confidence by by keeping this team uh, from scoring very many points. So I think they're going to come out and play well. Um, I actually had the game uh, 31 to 24 OU. So we're both right there at a touchdown. So, yeah, um, and I, I think you touched on it. Well, I think they have to establish the run, which their offensive line has played well pretty much this entire season. Despite the, take out the Kansas state game with the false starts and a couple of holding calls. I think this offensive line has been dominant all year and they they've been able to run the ball and Eric Gray has stepped up and is the second leading rusher in the conference behind behind Bijan Robinson. So I think that they are on the right track with able with what they're able to do running the ball and that offensive line is stepping up. So if they can set the pace in that and not have to worry about um necessarily throwing the ball as much then and I don't think that they'll have a problem throwing the ball but I think setting the pace especially in this game that's going to be a tight game maybe we need to do a little bit of clock management so but I I think you hit the nail on the head on that one so hopefully we get uh three wins this week and uh it'll be a good weekend so um speaking of three wins Oh, okay. uh, we can uh, we can count Ryan out of that because he went over three in our picks of the week this past week, and uh, he was talking about how he was going to get those three wins and mm-hmm. catch us. Um, how'd that go for you, Ryan? Pretty bad. Mo- most of my picks weren't even close. So, um, you know, I had UCLA that got beat by fifteen or whatever, and Ole Miss got destroyed by LSU. And then Kansas couldn't keep it close against Baylor. So I don't know. I apparently I don't know football, I guess is what it comes down to. That's um, what I'm thinking. Perkins is out here guessing on his picks and getting them right. Mm. And, um, we're out here studying and trying to figure everything out. And then it's like, oh, okay. Well, guess we got it wrong. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like I need to change up my strategy, but I'm not going to do it. So. Anyway, um, yeah, so I go on three. Perkins went two and one. Zach went one and two. So Zach tied Perkins there for one week, but then Perkins took his lead back by one. So don't worry, um, Perkins. Perkins picks this week. He's going zero and three. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, so yeah, since Perkins is not here, we will we will throw his picks out um, out the window. We'll throw them out to you guys. Um, so he has Utah. His first pick minus eight versus Washington State. Yeah, uh, that that line's just a little big for me. I don't yeah. hate the pick. It's just eight points, and Washington State's been pretty decent this year. I don't know yeah. that one. That one uh, was iffy for me. Yep. I think coming off their big win against USC, it's a potentially a, a letdown thing. Um, I've got. Um, for my first, I'm I'm allowed to go first. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Those own three. So my first pick, I'm going with uh, I'm going with the Q's Syracuse. They are minus two against Notre Dame. They played Clemson very close, which was one of your losses last week. Yeah. Um, they played Clemson very close. Like Clemson, 
I still, I mean, Clemson's undefeated and all that. And yes, they're probably one of the top 10 teams in the country, but they just don't feel like a playoff team at this point. I feel like they've been just barely winning a lot of these games. Um, but Syracuse played them close and just, I mean, they were actually leading most of the game. So um, I think they just kind of ran out of gas against Clemson, but I think they can bounce back and and beat Notre Dame by more than two points. So give me the Orangeman. All right, well. I'm starting off strong this week. TCU travels to Morgantown, and West Virginia is probably the worst team in the Big 12. And I think uh, they're favored by seven and a half at West Virginia. I think TCU rolls through Morgantown um, and beats them by double digits at least. So give me TCU minus seven and a half at West Virginia. I like it. That was one I uh, that was one of my possibilities. So. I am with you there, but um, now I'm going to hope that West Virginia wins or well covers anyway. Um, Last week had, had one of my picks and I, I know I still lost the pick that I replaced it with, but mm-hmm. I'm so glad I didn't pick it now because it looked so bad at this point. Yeah. That's like 40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no. But um, uh, we, we got to Perkins second pick and yeah. uh that is UTEP versus Middle Tennessee State. UTEP is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Honestly, I don't hate this pick. I don't do enough research in these teams, but I know UTEP um, had a great season. Um, no, that was UTSA that had the great season last year. UTEP, I, honestly, I don't know on this one, if I'm being completely honest. Um, so UTEP minus one and a half at middle Tennessee state or versus middle Tennessee state. So, uh, I, I really don't know much about either one of these teams. Ryan, you have anything to say? No, I mean, UTEP, uh, UTEP's the team that OU beat to start the year, right? Yeah. Is that right? Didn't middle Tennessee, I think they beat like Miami or somebody recently. I want to uh, say yeah, Tennessee state beat, uh, Miami 45, 31. Yeah, there you go. So um now so since maybe. then they they've lost three straight since that game so i guess it makes sense for perk to pick utep yeah so anyway all right perk um my second pick is gonna be uh it's gonna be old miss um they let me down last week but i'm hoping that texas a&m is uh, as pitiful as I think. So Ole Miss is minus three at Texas A&M. Texas A&M is not good, and I'm sick of people putting them. They're preseason like number six or something, and now they're like three and four. So it's really don't get it. No, they've had one good year in the past, maybe fifteen. Yeah, like that... I, it does not make sense to me. No, me neither. It's, I mean, and they had the whatever number one recruiting class, and it's like that doesn't mean like they haven't proved it. They've won the last time they won double digit games was 2012, and they went 11 and two, and that was with Johnny Football at quarterback. Since then, they have not won 10 games in a season. But can you imagine when they lose this game and they're three and five and they pay Jimbo Fisher's $50 million buyout or whatever it is? That that'll be, just be great. It's gonna be glorious. It's gonna be glorious. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Ole Miss running Rebels. I believe in you guys still, even though you let me down last week. Please come through this week and beat a terrible AM team. 
All right. Well, you said something about switching up your strategy. Oh. And uh, so this week I've switched up my strategy again, and I didn't pick a line in my next game. Hmm. I The game I'm talking about is Miami at Virginia. We were just talking about them. Um, the Golden Hurricane, not the Golden Hurricane, the regular Hurricanes mm-hmm. um, have been horrible this year. And uh, Virginia has not been better. They, they might have been worse, honestly. So I'm going Miami at Virginia under 47.5. Okay. So had to, had to switch it up. You know, Virginia's probably going to score 48 in this game now that I've picked that. But uh, so, but yeah, I switched it up just uh, because I'm tired of Perkins being in the top of the leaderboard. Aren't we all? I get it. Yeah, well, Perkins. I've never been more shocked by somebody, but yeah, than you. I mean, like you, you're way down there, dude. I don't. I don't even. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so Perkins, uh, our fearless leader, is going with his third pick. These, uh, you know, these Iowa unders are almost easy money, but uh, are almost guaranteed money. Iowa versus Northwestern, he's got under 37. And I think that's a fantastic pick because neither of them have any offense at all. Yeah, I, I think that's a good pick. I think he at least gets one this week. Um I honestly he's probably gonna go two and one, if not three and oh. So probably. No. That's that's just how it goes. He just yeah. he guesses at these picks and gets them right. Mm-hmm. Fine. But. So my third and final pick. Going with the blue blood. I'm going with uh, my national championship pick from preseason, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Going down to Penn State, they're a 14-and-a-half-point favorite, and I think they're going to win this game by 20 or more. Look, Ohio State has scored over 50 points. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. They scored 49 or more points in all except their very first game of the year. 45 or more points, forgive me. So, uh, you know, Penn State is one of those, they're ranked 13th, they're 6-1, and one, but they feel kind of fraudulent to be ranked that high. I think it's just um, just because there's a ton of, of teams that have lost more than once. They got destroyed by Michigan when they played them. They beat Northwestern 17-7. to seven. Northwestern's pretty pitiful. They beat Minnesota pretty bad this past week, but Minnesota's I've never thought they were a very good team. So they don't really have any like good wins on their schedule yet. And the one time they went up against a team on the level of Ohio State was Michigan and they got destroyed. So uh, I have a ton of faith in in Ohio State. Their offense is obviously great, but then Jim Knowles, Jim Knowles, their defensive coordinator that they stole from me, um, has obviously made their defense look much better than they were last year. So, um, you know, they're giving up whatever. Look, the la- their points per game they've allowed are 10, 20, 10, 21, 21, 12, and 10. So that's a really good defense with maybe the best offense in the country. Um, so, yeah, I'm going Ohio State to roll in that in that game. I I don't hate that pick. I, I do think Penn State's overrated, but I also think Ohio State's overrated. I don't think they're that overrated, though. So I, I don't hate that pick. Um, but my uh, my 
third and final pick this week, and I guess the final one of the whole week, is a peculiar line to me, honestly. It's uh, Wake Forest at Louisville. Wake Forest is only a four-point favorite at Louisville. Hmm. Uh, And I feel like Wake Forest is a great team, especially with Sam Hartman at quarterback. I, I I don't understand why this line is so low. Um, so Wake Forest minus four at Louisville. I think they roll this game and I think they win by 20. So, yeah, I would agree with that. Wonder if there's a, there's gotta be like some injuries going on or something. Cause that's, yeah. that's really weird. That's what um, I was thinking. Talking. I think Sam Hartman's going to end up being out because I, obviously I picked the game. So, yeah. That's okay. I mean, their backup played the first couple games and, and, Played pretty well, I think. So, yeah, I think it's a good good pick. Wake, Wake Forest is an offensive machine, so I think they can put up plenty of points, whoever's at quarterback. Yeah. Um, it, it'd be a, I, I, I don't see any – I'm not going to say that because every time I say that, I end up losing it. So, hmm. um, yeah, a Wake Forest might win. Maybe. They may. Maybe. Might I'm hoping me. they don't because I need, I need a lot of help. I'm – like six games back so or well five games back so uh yeah so those are our picks and uh and we'll see if we if i do any better and perkins does any worse that's what we need that's really what we need zach you can do whatever okay i'd rather you win than perkins honestly <laughs> wouldn't we all mm. like I, I i don't think I'll, we'll ever live it down if perkins wins no probably not so um probably not yeah uh, i we got to catch them at some point, but we do have mm-hmm. um, bowl season coming up. I don't know. It's true. Did we separate bowl season last year? I don't even remember. I think so. No, I think we did it all together. I think we just added them until we have maybe. But so I don't know. I don't know. There, Lots of money plenty. on the line. I'll say that. Plenty of time left. We can yeah. uh, we can get them back. Mm-hmm. Well. It's been uh, well. There hasn't been as much banter this week without Perkins. Hadn't been saying the exact opposite of whatever we say, so that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, any, anything else you want to add? Any not not really any um, sets besides uh, those Cowboys against those Longhorns? Yeah. No, I mean <laughs> it was it was a great Saturday. I I was stressed out the entire time. Uh, I threw some pillows and remotes and even my phone at a certain point in that game so just shows how passionate i am you know um no i mean ohio state penn state is a yeah i just picked Penn or ohio state to win by a lot but that's a game that if ohio state gets gets by i think they're through to big 10 championship i think they play michigan at the end of the year but um you know that's a big game and then kentucky who i don't think they're really the 19th best team, but they're ranked 19th and playing at number three, Tennessee. So there's a couple games there that have potential to shake up uh, the playoff standings. So um, other than that, there's, there's not really a ton of big games. So uh, it's more just this big 12 schedule, man. It's, it's tough weekend and week out and all the games are, most of the games are very uh, entertaining and, fun so um i think it'll be another fun saturday and again if osu can can get by kansas state i think they've got a 
pretty good runway to the uh, the Big 12 championship. So hopefully they can do that. Hopefully OU can salvage the season with some some wins down the stretch here, and then hopefully Tulsa can get it turned around and get to a bowl game. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good plan. I think o, OU has a good game set up this weekend for them. OSU, tough game, but I, I, I think they'll roll in that. Um, and then Tulsa, uh, you don't believe in them, but I do. So uh, I think it's going to be a good weekend for the state of Oklahoma. My heart so. believes in them. My head does not. Mm, that's probably smart. And where do you believe with? What do you believe with, your head or your heart? Both. Oh, okay. So there I'm, you go. <laughs> but all right well um anything else you want to add ron tulsa champ tulsa chan it, uh, i guess that'll that'll do for this week it seems like a shorter pod it might not have actually been a shorter pod but yeah i don't know Me like a shorter pod we talked about osu for about an hour so yeah and texas yeah uh, there's way too much texas in the oklahoma sports bros podcast today mm-hmm. so um, but yeah, um, that'll do for this week's. Thanks for joining in. Make sure you like, subscribe, give us five stars, whatever um, podcast streaming service you're on. I don't know if it's called streaming, whatever you do to get your podcast. Um, we should be there and make sure you review us really well so that other people can find us. Share us with a friend. That's my challenge to you guys this week. Share us with a friend and uh, let's see this thing grow. Um, and uh, like, like, uh, Ryan said, Tulsa champ. And go Pokes. Boomer Sooner. We'll see you guys next week. See ya.